Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Central. How you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to Tech Radio for 10 years, the number one Irish tech podcast, bringing you the latest in tech, not only from around Ireland, but across the world as well. All brought to you by the PRTG Network Monitor from Paisler.com. Remember, as well as our show on air with RTE and online via the website or your favourite podcasting app, we do keep you up to date with all things tech every single day with hourly updates and daily newsletters as well. And you can grab them for free at our website, techcentral.ie. Now, this week, uh, we're talking to two people about data science and asking, is this really at the cutting edge of research or is it just a title, another way of describing what researchers do already? This week, the National College of Ireland celebrated 20 years of its School of Computing by inviting two eminent members of its advisory council to address this very question. First off, Niall Kitson met with Professor Michael J. Franklin of the Department of Computer Science at the University of Chicago. He started by asking a simple question. Is data science a new discipline or another way to describe things researchers do already? So, Michael, the thrust of the talk you've been giving here at NCI today is kind of looking at the foundations of data science or how we should look at data science. And in particular, whether data science is something new unto itself or whether it's a product of different disciplines that are coming together. So what's your position on it? Is it, is it something new or is it just a culmination of things past, if you will? So I believe that it really is something new. Um, although if you look at uh, the evolution of scientific fields, uh, it's rare, if ever, the case that something uh, a field develops, you know, out of thin air. Um, and so, as new fields develop, uh, they grow out of existing fields. So, my own field, computer science, um, grew out of mathematics and as well as electri- uh, electrical engineering and linguistics and a number of other areas. Uh, and I think that's what we're seeing here that. Um, the fact that uh, computer scientists feel that uh, they own the patent on data science and st- statisticians feel that they own the patent on data science and uh, people who do uh, information science think they own the patent on data science, um, that's a pretty good indication um, that what is happening is, is a confluence of areas, uh, but that is, that's exactly how new fields develop. And so, uh, so the answer is it's actually both. It's a confluence of existing fields uh, that's leading in a new direction and, and I believe will eventually uh, achieve uh, its own status as a, as a discipline. I guess one way of uh, exploring this idea is to look at the applications happening in the real world. And one that you brought up was uh, how astronomy has grown and how it's... Uh, Integrated, you know, big data. I guess it's almost an outdated term at the, at this stage. But uh, if you can go through a little bit on how astronomy has evolved to incorporate more elements of data science. Yeah, the the example I gave in the talk was really the evolution of scientific instruments from you know small telescopes to bigger and bigger telescopes, uh, and for hundreds of years that was really the uh, the progression was. Uh, building larger larger telescopes and um, but they were still used 
kind of the same way. You would pick a region of the sky that you're interested in, and you would point the telescope at it, and you know you'd look through or you'd take pictures and you'd see what was happening. Um, and around um, the turn of this century, uh, that started changing, where um, astronomers, uh, there was a creation of, uh, uh, in this case, a, a project called the, the Sloan Digital Sky Surveys, where instead of uh, pointing uh, the, the instrument at specific spots, spots in the sky, uh, the idea was to, to take pictures of entire regions of the sky. And uh, a large class of astronomy has now done that way, and uh, there's uh, even new projects that are uh, looking at, at being able to take more frequent surveys of, the, of bigger regions of the sky. And what happens there is that transition um, is, in, instead of... Uh, I use that as an example of uh, the transition from what I was calling data-poor to data-rich environment. So... In the previous case, uh, when there's one telescope and, and one, per, one person or one group can point it in one place, uh, there's a resource bound. Uh, you have to wait your turn for the telescope. You have to hope that uh, the night that you get the telescope is a good night for viewing. Um, and then while you're looking at what you want to look at, a whole bunch of other people who want to look at things aren't able to look at what they want to look at. Um, but, you, you know, you're getting a very direct picture of, of something you think might be interested. Um, the survey is completely different. The survey, you just collect lots and lots and lots of data, uh, and then many scientists can then start analyzing that data uh, to try to find um, the things that they're looking for. And so it ends up being a, a fundamentally different way of, of doing science, and uh, it comes about because of uh, the availability of just orders of magnitude more data uh, than you used to have. And one, two of the things that we're sort of dealing at the moment is this almost endless capacity for data storage, and uh-huh. as a result, the cost of storage coming right the way down, which creates this sort of space where you can collect pretty much as, as much as you want, but that creates problems in and of itself in terms of uh, what you decide to gather and whether you actually have any use for it. Right. Well, the interesting, uh, one of the interesting aspects of, of, of data uh, is that it, it, it has uses, it, it can be used for, for many things, um, uh, including a lot of things that you didn't even think about or know about or imagine uh, when you collected the data in the first place. Um, and so a big part of my view of data science is uh, the study of, of some of these uh, long, longer life cycle issues about data in terms of uh, thinking you know, about what you collect, taking advantage of the opportunity to collect data when you can, uh, and then keeping that data, being able to find it, because as you say, you can store more and more, and so how do you find what you're looking for? And then you know, how do how do you enable data discovery? So how do you en- enable, um, you know, there's a certain cost that goes into collecting data. Uh, the cost of storing it is less and less, but there's some cost there. And so, so how, do you, uh, how do you recoup that cost and how do you uh, take advantage of that effort, um, you know, for doing new things, whether it's new science or new types of business or, or you know, new types of medicines or whatever it is that you're trying to do? 
this, I think, really uh, points out the difference in approach between uh, Europe and the States, where at the moment in Europe, thanks to GDPR, we are uh, tasked with justifying the data that we create, uh, how long we hold on to it, and to make sure that people know that data is being held about them, about specific areas. Uh, And of course, there are various other legal implications involved in that. The American perspective seems to be somewhat different, where you can collect this data and almost wait for the appropriate um, time to interrogate it in a specific way. Um, How do you see this becoming... um, uh, a challenge between research projects between America and Europe? Well, I, I think there is, um, I, I think there is a, a difference in perspective. I'm not sure it's fully informed by, uh, on either side. Um, I think we're all still just at the very beginning of the data revolution, and uh, we don't really understand uh, both... Uh, the risks of, uh, of, of of keeping and collecting and keeping certain types of data and the potential benefits down the road of having access to data. Um, so uh, it, it's interesting that 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 that, 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 uh, that these two different approaches uh, have been taken. I'm not sure, at least on on the uh, American side, that it's been you know fully debated and fully figured out that. Um, you know where we're going to come down as a society on some of these issues, um, but I will say that uh, I, I worry uh, from the European perspective uh, about these questions of um, giving up the opportunity to have access to data that might be useful for things uh, down the road that that, that we don't actually realize uh, might be possible right now. Uh, so that's the tension. Uh, in terms of uh, how that's going to work out with research projects, um, um, you know, it's going to be done uh, on, on a case-by-case basis, um, uh, and it's going to come down to, um, you know, cost, cost-benefit trade-off. Uh, if the benefits of the collaboration are such that, um, that it's worth working through those issues, then people will work through them. Uh, and if those issues make it impossible to do that collaboration, then it's going to impact our ability to to collaborate. It's going to be a problem. One of the things that you talked about was the economic value of data. Um, Can you explore that idea a little bit more for us? So I I think there's widespread recognition that that data has some intrinsic economic value. Um, but it's incredibly poorly understood uh, how to ascribe that value uh, to any uh, particular collection of data. Uh, and then it gets even more complicated when you start building uh, derived collections of data that, that, are, that are the result of, of processing and refi- refining other, other data sets. Um, you know, it's, it's a big industry. It's... Um, Despite improvements in the cost of uh, you know sensing technology to be able to collect data and storage technology and processing technology, it still costs an incredible amount of money uh, to to collect and manage data uh, and it 's natural for um, for for companies to think about how they might want to monetize uh, data that that they have and you know honestly, it might be something that that individuals want to think about. 
you know, how do they ascribe value to their own data, and then what, if anything, they can do about that. Um, so I believe it's it's an area that's incredibly poorly understood. I think that, uh, as I said, everyone has this feeling that, that data is a, is a resource that has uh, – Value, whether it's monetary or societal or scientific or whatever. Uh, and I believe that one of the key challenges of data science going forward is to, is, is to try to put some, some foundation, some theory behind um, how, how we should be thinking about uh, data and its value, not just for the short term, but over the, over the long run as well. One thing that I find fascinating about data science is that for something that is so grounded in dispassionate statistics, it's also very prone to human error, whether it's in collection or interpretation. Well, I mean, this is always one of the uh, fundamental, uh, uh, I guess, paradoxes of technology is that uh, at the end of the day, these things are, the technologies are created by people and they're used by people and they have direct impact on on people's lives. Um, and so I, I think an, another important aspect of data science is to recognize that um, from the very beginning that you don't want to think about data as completely dispassionate. You don't want to think about data as, as separated from uh, the people or the societies that collected it and, and the people and societies that are going to use it. And uh, when you start thinking about the ethical use of, use of data, the ethical collection of data, um, the protection of data uh, in the future, um, these are all very human uh, issues that, that, that we need to be thinking about. And as we're building data science as a field, uh, we need to make sure that that, that human component is, is front and center in what we're doing. So what projects are exciting you about big data at the moment or about data science in general? I mean, to, to even start, I mean, are we going to see the term big data sort of melt into the background? Is, is it becoming dated already? <laughs> yeah, the, the, the term big data uh, in, in many ways is an unfortunate term. Uh, uh, it, it, it was uh, succinct and concise and it, and it caught people's imagination uh, that there was something fundamentally new going on. Um, but it forces you very quickly to to ask the question, uh, you know, oh, is is this is this big data or not big data? You know, is there a certain number of bytes after which data is big, and if you have one byte less than that, it's not big, um, and and it really distracts from from the uh, from from the, the the essential aspects of of what data science is about. Um, so the way I like to think about big data is. Um, you know, when you have data that you've collected uh, at sufficient uh, resolution and granularity and at sufficient uh, fidelity, uh, that you can see things that you weren't able to see before you had access to the data, that is big data. And, you know, that might be petabytes of data that you're, you know, collecting from some atom smasher somewhere, and it may be. Uh, you know, it might be a, a, you know a few forms that were filled out uh, in 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 a, a social experiment that you were doing, and uh, um, I, I think focusing on you know exactly how much data is there or not uh, is is sort of beside the point. Now that being said, you know there there are you know you asked about uh, interesting. Uh, projects and so on, um, there does seem to be a phenomenon uh, around especially certain types of machine learning where there's a critical mass of data 
where, uh, where if you have less than that data, you, you're not able to build uh, sufficiently uh, correct or accurate models uh, in order to be able to do prediction and, and other types of services that you want to do. Whereas once you cross that, that threshold, uh, all of a sudden, again, you're able to see things that you weren't able to see before, or the algorithms were able to learn things that they weren't able to learn before. Um, so um, there is um, there is uh, a lot to be said for being able to process huge vol- volumes of data, um, just in terms of being able to do more uh, than you might be able to do without uh, if you didn't have that capacity. And so a lot of the projects that I'm excited on and that I'm working on uh, have to do with uh, dealing with data at scale uh, and not just large number, large, large volumes of, of data in terms of bits and bytes, but also, um, you know, if I'm trying to tra- train machine learning models, um, can I train 1,000 or 10,000 models on the same data and then use... Uh, that that multitude of models to understand something that I wouldn't understand if I had only trained one or two models on it. So looking at the scalability that way, um, I think there's a lot of really interesting things that can be done. Um, And then other projects around um, how do we talk about collections of data, especially as uh, those collections go through many uh, stages of processing and get combined with uh, lots of other data. How do we trace uh, you know the lineage of um, some some data set that we have. Where did it come from? You know, can we trust it? Um, how do we discover uh, in a in a multitude of, of of data sets? You know, the data that that we need to solve our particular problem. Uh, there's just no end of uh, of research problems uh, that 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 uh, that need to be addressed in in this area. That was Niall Kitson talking to Professor Michael Franklin. Now, while some academics argue over who got there first with data science, it could be said that the systems we use today have their roots in databases that have been around for decades. Professor Jeffrey D. Ullman is Professor of Engineering in the Department of Computer Science at Stanford University. He's also the CEO of Gradients Corporation and also acted as a PhD advisor to Google co-founder Sergey Breen. Niall sat down with him to get his thoughts on data, privacy, and much more. Okay, first of all, I do see um, data science as uh, the natural extension of what people in the database systems community have been doing uh, for uh, for decades now. That is... um, uh, looking at how you store and process and, and manage and use in applications as much data as you can possibly manage and, and that that amount grows with time uh, because technology is advancing uh, so so rapidly uh, and and um, uh, uh, you know, but at, 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 at any any given year, the um, uh, you know the the amount of data you can handle the the uh, your uh, the number of, of, of let's say processors uh, you can bring to bear on a single problem, uh, they the, these. Uh, what, whatever the you know whatever the best you can do is that's what database systems people have been worried about. Uh, so um, I see the, the uh, data science 
as as a natural outgrowth of what um, uh, of what database systems people have been doing uh, all along. Now there have been some very interesting elements added. Uh, we talked, you know, we talked about statistics. Uh, statistics is always a useful tool. I don't think that by itself it it, it uh, solves anything in particular. Uh, it, algorithms solve things. Hardware. Uh, solve, solves things. Uh, statistics uh, d- does not really. Uh, machine learning is obviously an an, uh, an idea that has um, come to the forefront because uh, once you have enough data and the ability to process it efficiently and quickly, um, uh, you, you can you can build some very interesting models that that we couldn't build before, uh, you know, let's say uh, 20 years ago, database systems people were talking about models like association rules, uh, and uh, they are somewhat easier to build. They're also, frankly, less uh, less accurate than the best uh, uh, that's come out of the machine learning community. Um, but... Um, uh, again, I you know I uh, while I would not claim that the database systems community invented machine learning, I mean indeed we did, did not. Uh, it, it is just an, it's a natural evolution of the kind of algorithm that one might apply to uh, to, uh, to to the largest amounts of data that you can you can uh, that are available at the time. And when we're looking at the collection of data. Um, one ha- has to ask how much is too much at this stage. I mean, we do know the cost of uh, storing data is coming down. It comes with a, a new raft of ethical uh, considerations over in Europe. But um, from your perspective and from a, a database perspective, is there uh, an absolute or, you know, is it the more data the better exponentially? Okay, well... Um Okay. First of all, uh, maybe 20 years ago, we entered a world where nothing had to be thrown away. Okay. Before that, you couldn't afford to store everything that you could produce. but uh, again, because of the, the, I assume every your, your reader, uh, your listeners are, are all aware of, of, of Moore's law. Uh, originally, it applied to the number of transistors you could put on a chip, and therefore how uh, uh, how fast you could process uh, data. Uh, it applies to many, many other things, uh, and the, the key is that that things get uh, better exponentially. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it does appear that. Um, the, the more data you have, the more precise the models you can build, uh, uh, the, 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 you know, the, the more you can learn from the data. So our exponential growth in the amount of data that, that you can store certainly does make a, a, a big difference. Um, the the, the question of should we be storing everything? Um, I mean, it's 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 a little tricky. I'm uh, 
I, I guess I'm. Uh, I, I guess I don't share the European view of, of of privacy. I think, frankly, privacy is a uh, a very modern construct. Um, uh, Two hundred years ago, everybody lived in a village, and uh, uh, everybody knew everybody's business. It's, it's, you know, th- this idea that you have a right uh, to be forgotten or 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 to have people not know about you. Um, is simply is simply a construct. Uh, I think in most cases it's not all that uh, all that important. Uh, I, I think that um, you know, for example, uh, Google detecting spam emails. Um, yeah, you know, some of them come from reports of things that you personally have reported as spam. Uh, there might be something of interest. Uh, to learn about you because of what you regard as spam versus what somebody else regards as spam. Uh, I, I don't think that that really exposes you to, uh, uh, you know, to, to any particular vulnerabilities. And at any rate, uh, Google's only interested in determining what is a spam email, uh, not what you yourself uh, regard as, uh, as spam. So... Um, I, I do think that the worries about privacy tend to be uh, a, a bit overblown. Although you know there there obviously are examples um, uh, where where people's uh, vital uh, uh, information uh, you know can can be exposed. I mean, there's no question. Google knows my credit card. Uh, Sergey Brin could decide to. Uh, charge my credit card for his lunch today. Um, I don't think he will. I don't think it's a serious, uh, a serious worry to imagine that a company, say like Google or Amazon, that really thrive on the trust that, uh, that people put in them, uh, that, they're, they're, that they're going to be careless with, uh, with the handling of, uh, of your data. I guess to wrap up, one of the things that I guess people are quite worried about governing their lives are, are algorithms, the, these sort of rules that we are assumed apply to everybody equally but can't legislate for, for hard cases. So um, how, I guess, concerned should we be about the role of algorithms in regulating or managing our society? Um, well, look, if you've ever dealt with a, a clerk... Uh, say in a government office, uh, who is told what they're allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do. Uh, uh, I don't think that uh, that algorithms are going are any less flexible than your typical human uh, human being administering uh, uh, you know, ad- ad- administering uh, some some law or regulation. Um, Ideally, of course, we should have more sympathetic and understanding clerks, and we should have more sympathetic and understanding algorithms. Uh, my guess is that it's uh, the the easiest path forward is to develop better algorithms, things that do handle uh, edge cases and and uh, exceptions uh, more properly. Uh, than it is to train clerks to do, uh, you know, what what is humane and, and and reasonable. So, so yeah, there's definitely a problem. There has always been a problem in uh, 
in how we administer, uh, you know, laws and and, and policies. Um, but let's not uh, let, let's not blame the computer. Okay, I mean, this is a, uh, it's 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 been a tradition for again for for decades uh, when you know when you don't want to do something, you say, well, the computer won't let me. Uh, I mean, that's. Uh, that's usually nonsense. And that was Niall Kitson chatting with Professor Michael Franklin. And before that, Professor Jeffrey Ullman with two very different takes on big data. That's almost our show for this week. The programme is supported by PRTG from Paisler, which monitors your IT infrastructure 24-7, 365 and alerts you to problems before your users even notice. If you're interested in working smarter, faster and better, check out their system. It's online at www.paisler.com. Remember, of course, you can get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly newsletters, daily newsletters, pardon me, and at our website, techcentral.ie. Or, of course, you can listen to us each week online or Fridays at 5pm on DJB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next time, from myself to Stuarts, thanks so much for listening. Have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.